New week, new podcast. We're so glad that you clicked the download button. I'm your host, Robin Hearn. Our topic this week is the modern library. The idea came from our managing editor. He was telling me his story that he was in college in the early 90s. At that time on his campus, the library was really just books, magazines, newspapers, card catalogs, and a few computers. Jump forward to today, you can walk into Oklahoma State's Edmund Lowe Library and check out numerous things, including a GoPro. I had the opportunity to sit down with Matt Upson, the Associate Dean for OSU Libraries, and Kathy S. Miller, OSU's Open Educational Resources Librarian, to discuss the mindset behind the modern library and some new initiatives that the library is working on. Spoiler alert, one of those is the open access to textbooks for free in certain classes. Let's go ahead and go straight to the library and get this thing started. Talk to me a little bit about the evolution of the library through the years. Like, how has it changed since, like, 19, I guess, 70 to, like, today? And how does that lead into today's modern university library? Well, I think over the history of academic libraries, you've seen this trend of essentially more openness. Um, So even going back before the 1970s, you had, um, I think, a tendency to close off collections from students, right? And Edmund Lowe Library is actually... An excellent example of uh, a, a library that was an early adopter of this open, uh, open stacks design, and so allowing students to have access to those books, you know, put a hand on that book, take it off the shelf, um, that was something that was pretty novel. There, there weren't any road, more roadblocks between the students in that that knowledge. Um, so that was uh, an, an early innovation here at OSU, and then you think back even in the. Uh, uh, you know, back in the, the 90s, going to the library, and I'm of that age where I, I have crossed that, I was, I was part of that crossing over from the more analog library, focused on print collections and the card catalog, which, you know, many of our students have never seen, don't know what that is, uh, crossing over from that into the, the digital age and having an online catalog, increasing the openness to access by not limiting people to going to a library and, and scanning through those physical cards in a drawer to find the collection. They can do a search online from their homes. Um, They're not limited to just access um, to the physical items in the library, but to all the digital content that we have as well. We're all used to the assumption that information is, is easily accessible through our devices, computers. Um, the assumption that it's free in some way. Um, and that it's quick, and those aren't always true, um, especially in terms of academic information and research, Um, but we're trying to edge in that direction. How are we making uh, research that's performed and and documented and written up here at a research university? How do we increase access to that? How do we lower the barriers to that, not just for our students, but for uh, the population of the state, the population of, of the United States, the population of the world? How are we lowering, lowering those barriers? The stacks are really just the, the shelves, the bookshelves that are in the library. And um, back in the day, students, people, weren't allowed to just go up to the bookshelf and take a book off the shelf. Um, knowledge was seen as protected and for a select few, and you had to fill out a piece of paper, or even before then, just you know, genuflect and ask permission, and, and only certain classes could access them. And then if you earned access, you were brought 
the book, which means you brought the book that you requested, and that's the book that you had. And um, when you think about the things that happen as you're browsing the stacks, as you're walking down the bookshelves and running your fingers down the spines and, and the books that are around them, that you say, oh, I'd also like to read that, or so-and-so has talked about that, and, and just how that, that provides some uh, opportunities for divergence and creating understanding. And so that's one of the things that's really remarkable. When you, when you give people access to one book, that's fantastic, but when you give them access to the books that are around it too, and the, the serendipitous opportunity to construct understanding that comes with openness and different people getting different ideas and building on them. Uh, that's one of the really magical things. And, and Matt downplayed really, I think, the role of Oklahoma State in helping um, kind of push forward the open stacks. Edmund Lowe Library, our library here on campus, was uh, one of the first libraries to have their stacks open, have their books just open to undergraduate students. And so uh, we've just, we've been open and trying to partner with the communities to build understanding here at Oklahoma State for decades and decades and decades. It's amazing to see that OSU's always had like this type of openness in the, on the campus, in the library. So what is the role of a modern university library? Well, the Modern University Library, I think, partners with the community to build knowledge, to help people construct understanding, brings people together uh, to, to build upon, again, like we were speaking earlier, ideas and just gives people the opportunity to be even better. Right. And as a land-grant university, you know, we have that mission of uh, outreach, of working with the community. And so unlike maybe a, a private university library, that uh, might be closed off, more restricted to um, students and, and community members that are part of that institution. We're more focused on, on being open for uh, the state, our community members here in Stillwater. And so sharing that information with, with everyone, not just students, not just faculty, not just staff, everyone in this, this community and the, the larger state community. I, I think the, you know, the mission of the library over the years, I, I think, still remains pretty similar in that it is about building that knowledge. It's, it's about building and sharing the knowledge. It's just how are we doing that um, through the use of new technology, new spaces in the, in the building. And so that's what kind of shifts our, um, our approach a little bit. So I always tell students who come in, uh, you know, the assumption when a new student or a prospective student walks in the building is that they'll see books everywhere. It's a library, right? Where are the books? And you don't actually see really many at all on our first two floors. And so I think that that is in some ways a kind of shock to the system. And I'm still surprised that so many students ask where the books are. Um, so that, number one, I think is a good sign and, and shows that students are interested in, in physical materials. And it's also intriguing for them to, to, to not see those books on the first two floors of Edmund Lowe uh, and wonder where they are. And then that gives us, us a chance to talk about how the libraries are really, we're not just about books. Of course, we've, we've got you know, millions of, of uh, volumes here in this building and, and our satellite, uh, our branch libraries, but we're really about information. So how are we here to help students navigate information in whatever form uh, or medium or, or avenue they're taking to access that? We're all about information. So uh, that's how I, I kind of introduce new students to that, to the, what the library is all about. And I know both of you spoke about uh, the study rooms and the spaces that you guys are offering now. As that need for different kinds of spaces shift, how has the OSU library adopted to meet that demand? When I was an undergrad here um, 15 years ago, I think we just had two study rooms on the second floor. And now we're close to 20. 
and so being able to find space, you know, real estate is, uh, is in high demand on campus and especially in a central location like Edmund Lowe. So being able to, um, to find good spaces and, and do some renovation and free up those, those study spaces to accommodate not even the new way that students are working, but I mean, just being responsive to the way that students have been working for some time now. Whereas 20, 30 years ago, on into the past, it was much more of a, the academic work was much more solitary in nature. You know, still pulling that book off the shelf, studying, writing your paper there alone. And now it's much more um, group oriented, dynamic, loud. So I went on the third floor and I saw those new bicycle desks mm-hmm. that you guys yes. have put in there. I thought that was awesome. And the beanbag chairs and the new, uh, more comfortable seating in there. It honestly makes you feel, as a student, a little more comfortable. And I, since I like to like move around a lot when I study, the bicycle desk is definitely something I will use. And it's on wheels, so like you can wheel it. I mean, okay, you, can't actually, on you can't ride it, but you can move it if you so choose. You can push the bicycle desk over in front of those windows and do your bicycle desk right, and, and look out and the look windows. Out and, and get a view. Yeah, and the students are moving those those couches that are in front of the windows now and right. rearranging them. And I just, I just love that the students know it's their space. I know that OSU, the library, has offered a lot of new technology to the students. Um, how have y'all brought that to the students? Sure. We, um, we've started um, some new spaces. I say new. We've had some of these spaces and services for a few years now. Um, and so our, our students who are now graduating, uh, I think, have known nothing other than, you know, our spaces like our uh, Edmund Lowe Creative Studios on the first floor. Um, Tech2Go. Tech2Go program. So in our creative studios, for example, we've got um, some spaces dedicated to um, music, some design software. We've got um, virtual reality lab. We've got a flight simulator, an assortment of 3D printers. And so this space is really it's been a, an experimental space um, built on you know, student need and request. Um, and it's also a space that is open to anyone of any major, right? And so what we do in the creative studios is try to open that up to students of all majors and encourage that cross-disciplinary uh, collaboration. And so uh, an education student and an engineering student coming together to work on a project in that space using those resources is, is really important to us. And we've got, I mean, like the DSLR cameras, uh, vlogging kits with the big ring lights and telescopes, big yeah. giant telescopes down there. So in the Tech2Go collection, all the stuff that you can check out and, yeah. and take out of the library. Uh, GoPro for cameras. Days. Yeah, GoPros. It, for real, like you can check out a GoPro camera to go on your ski trip. Mini projectors. But also when we talk about how we've used uh, processes involved with technology to help enrich our students lives I think that's where like the open educational resources come in because as we we've identified some challenges uh for students on campus with like the cost of textbooks and and uh the stranglehold that commercial publishers have on the textbook world and we've been able as the library to step into that space and offer uh faculty and instructors the opportunity to adapt or author um textbooks that then can be licensed and offered to the students for free. So we have several courses on campus, uh, the technical writing course, physics, who else is using communications. We've, we've just got, we've got several, several courses on campus that are using these open educational resources so that we, we've saved students. I don't, I think we're coming up on $80,000 a semester 
with what we've been able to offer using digital technologies. That's that's one of the things we're really proud of and excited to have the support to be able to do. You mentioned with the new initiative for the faculty, the free textbooks for their students. Mm-hmm. That is something I found very interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, first we'll define open educational resources. They're resources that are intentionally created and licensed so that they can be disseminated at no cost to the end user. And they're typically born digital, so like they're created online. And it's it's much like what our students are already familiar with uh, interacting with in a multimedia platform. Uh, in the digital space. So that's kind of the goal is to get interactive materials, get away from just a static PDF where you pick up your giant sociology notebook and you leaf through the pages and read, 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 read. Uh, We had a generous donor a few years ago who funded um, the creation and publication of, I think, six textbooks that are in use on campus now. And not just on our campus. We have some that they're used across the nation. Our, our faculty do really great work. And our current initiative, uh, the Hack the Syllabus Initiative, which is funded by the President's Fellows, and we have now, uh, we, we've got 20 of the grants available, and we have about 25 applications so far, and the call for proposals doesn't close till September 30th. It's been very exciting to get to meet with faculty. I met with a nutrition faculty, uh, and her proposal looks outstanding, and hers will save, let's see, they've been using a $200 textbook and that's a that's a pretty high enrollment class. And uh, I mentioned on Twitter, and already, you know, four or five different universities are saying, "Hey, when she gets it done, would you send it to us? We'd like to use it." And what's really great about what she's wanting to do is that she's building upon work that was done by a faculty member in Hawaii. So another aspect of this this attempt to try to save students a little bit of of um, cost, or at the very least, worry and, and concern. Yeah is this effort to um, buy textbooks for courses that have over 100 students enrolled in them um, or the textbook itself costs over $100. And so the library will will purchase a copy of that and hold it down in our creative studios there at the, the reserves desk. And students can come in and, and check that book out for uh, a couple hours at a time. We have the open educational resources, the skeletons and the telescopes down in the tech uh, to go, the new spaces that you guys have offered for the students. Uh, what is next for the library? I mean, I, I think it is continuing to to pay attention to students and, and faculty here on campus uh, and, and asking what our community wants and needs. Um, I think you'll we'll continue to see some new spaces develop based on those needs. So more collaborative spaces, more uh, kind of learning and research commons spaces. So and books, always books. Right. We'll continue to develop that, that collection. Um, like what's next in the library? I, I think more collaborations. Right? We've talked about the open education collaborations. We're talking about special collections, collaborations with faculty. So I think we're still in that process of, of redefining what the library means to uh, a research campus and, and looking for opportunities to, to grow in whatever ways, whatever opportunities or avenues we, we find available based on you know, those collaborations, the input we get from students and, and faculty, because again, it is, it's the space of the community. Let's learn how to, to grow that space together. A special thank you to Matt and Kathy for giving us a better insight on how modern the OSU libraries are. I can't wait to see what the next thing is up their sleeves. Thank you for listening to the Inside OSU podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. I'm Robin Hearn, and we'll see you next time.